You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to The Gates of Hell. It's Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast, and also The Gates of Hell. I'm Kim. I'm John. Welcome to hell. (laughs) Welcome to hell. Here's your care package. There's a special little place for you right here. (laughs) Mini shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. This week we are talking about two movies that contain the gates of hell. Like you, oh, if you think hell's a place to visit, avoid Louisiana and also... Space. Space, yeah. In (laughs) general. Anywhere near Neptune. Bad (laughs) place to go. We're talking about Paul W.S. Anderson's Event Horizon and, of course, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Of course? I feel like it was a stretch at first, John. Oh, well, it's not an of course when you think like, hey, what movie are we going to watch alongside Event Horizon? Gates but, of Hell, of course. Well, I mean, it, well, once you say that, Gates of Hell, of course we're watching The Beyond. I'm still not getting the of course. It's got a gate to hell. Well, I'm, I'm assuming we're implying that. <laughs> All right, look, before we get started, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Uh, I don't even know. Like, is it a new week? What is time? Do you want me to just read off what you watched recently on your letterbox? <laughs> um, it says here that you saw uh, Scream 4 and The Evil Dead recently. Yeah, both good. Both very good. <laughs> um, there's a lot of new stuff coming out. We've started our Fantasia Film Festival coverage. So unfortunately, a lot of the things that we've been watching, we can't necessarily spill the beans on yet. We will be posting all of our coverage at nofspodcast.com. And we'll definitely be spilling the beans here on the podcast when we get the opportunity, once the festival's underway. The Fantasia Film Festival, the virtual edition of the Fantasia Film Festival this year, obviously, uh, runs from August 20th to September 2nd. The movies are geolocked to Canada. So <laughs> No, I feel really bad, but unfortunately I had to watch all of you guys at Chattanooga virtual and it crushed my soul. So oh, right. I'm just going to take this and be real happy about it. Yeah, I mean, like on, on one side, you know, a lot of people in other areas of Canada that are not anywhere close to Montreal finally get to experience, you know, somewhat of the Fantasia Film Festival, which is great. With but less poutine. With, it's, what are you talking about? If you, like, no matter where you live in Canada, you can get a poutine. Yeah, but not a Montreal poutine. <laughs> That's true. Poutine. But the panel discussions, the special events are free and open to everyone worldwide. They're not geolocked. Yeah, there's one with John Carpenter. Right, Hello? he's giving a fucking masterclass talking about every single one of those movies, which if you've ever seen an interview with John Carpenter, does not like talking about his movies. Yay! <laughs> he's also going to be playing uh, one of his songs Some live. songs. <laughs> oh man, I'm real excited. I'm so pumped. <laughs> there's, well, there's even a panel discussion between Mick Garrison and Mike Flanagan talking about adapting books into movies, which... What it's like to make Stephen King thing. Right, that's really all it sounds like. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm excited for all that. Uh, definitely head over to the Fantasia website to check out all the details. Um, they're not paying us to say that, but it is definitely one of the best film festivals we go to each year. Oh, so. I love it so much. At the very least, for movies that you can watch right now, there's a really cool sci-fi horror movie from Russia coming to select theaters, drive-ins near you from your friends at IFC Midnight. <laughs> This sounds like ads, but really, we're just talking about movies we liked. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we saw Sputnik a few weeks ago, and it's 
awesome. It came out, like, right in that, like, oh, shit, the U.S. government wants to talk about aliens all of a sudden. Perfect timing, especially, too, now we're getting this, like, we're going to start declassifying shit. Watch Sputnik if you are into these the ufo hijinks it's super subtle and very moody and it isn't all booms and bangs and big big budget sci-fi it's a very like compartmentalized story but boy is it fucking dope oh yeah set in 1983 cold war era russia fucking iron curtains up we got aliens in these bunkers I really liked it. We talked with uh, we talked with the the director Igor Abramenkov uh, recently, which is going to be on a Nightmare Alley episode coming out next week. Yeah, I'm so excited. It was such a fun conversation. Also, just to be able to talk to somebody in Russia about like how they're handling quarantine and dealing with all that nonsense was also really fun. Yeah, that was yeah. Like I, I gotta say, we've done quite a few interviews since the pandemic has started, and that's <laughs> that's one of the things that I always look forward to is like how are how are things going where you are yeah zoom calls have made it like weirdly tolerable being trapped in this office for like 24 hours a day yeah and just based just based on talking to the director alone if you are a fan of blade runner alien or the thing you are really gonna like sputnik we we totally recommend it it's super great also, we're kicking off Hot as Hell Month, obviously, with this Gates of Hell episode, but it is also Hot as Hell Month at the Nightmare on Film Street website. All of our contributing team has been conjuring up some wonderfully devilish articles and content for you guys over there at nofspodcast.com. Hit up the site, check out all those fun articles. There's recommendation lists. We got columns upon columns upon columns. We're talking fire and brimstone, uh, hellfire, heavy metal, and also just like, I don't know. Maybe some actors that you think are hot, hot, hot. <laughs> because we can't help ourselves. <laughs> this is the thirstiest horror website on the internet. I Yay! Say that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and demons, I guess. And sometimes there's like a cross between like being thirsty for demons. We'll just, just go to the website. Yeah, and you know, uh, super big curveball. You know, the, the world seems to just be imploding and ending. And at every turn, it gets weirder and weirder. Uh, the devil himself has been outsourcing his handiwork, and he sent us this letter. He wants me to let Brittany, Shannon, Amanda, Alexandra, Marina, Crystal, Paul, Cody, Karen, Joe, Nicholas, <gasps> Sean, Michael, Justin, Janice, and Kyle to know you gotta get your act together because he's keeping an eye on you. He's making a bed for you in hell. I thought you were gonna make this like a Santa Claus thing. Maybe I should have. This doesn't actually sound right anymore. No, <laughs> like, it I, feels it feels weird to say like, "Hey, thank you so much for becoming one of our new patrons." By the way, the devil's keeping an eye on you. <laughs> it's very metal, though. Anyway, <laughs> thank you all so much for your patronage. Uh, I hope you enjoy all of the bonus content available to you at Patreon.com/slash/NightmareOnFilmStreet. Three years in, four years in, almost I, four. I would assume that I'd have gotten better. Or at least establish some sort of format, template, to read out these names. I just love that I make you do it every single time. <laughs> Off the cuff, no plans. It's, it's... great, though. No, I, I love it. And thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon, to our new patrons, to our long-standing patrons. Uh, Nightmare on Film Street is listener-supported, so thank you guys so much. If you want to join them and get some cool swag and stuff, we have some brand new stickers. They're pretty dope. Uh, just head to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. You know, surprise, surprise, break the fourth wall here. It's getting real hot in here. It is really, it is really warm. Yeah. Sweating um, in this office. Recording to during the intro. summer is probably the worst thing ever. So this month is a celebration of the, the suffering that we have to go through to get good audio. Uh, we have the 
The vents blocked off. We have all circulation removed from the room. There's sweat building up inside my headphones right now. I can feel it. I don't like it either. Oh, and you if you were curious where Hot as Hell Month came from, this is why. <laughs> but enough talking about what's keeping us creepy. Let's pull open the gates. Beginning with 1997's. Event Horizon. The 1997's. The greatest space horror movie since Leprechaun. He's just like laying out his cards Event right up front. Horizon. <laughs> At 0300 this morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster than light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space. There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. Did you hear that? What is it? The ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? Oh. I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh, my God. It knows my secrets. <laughs> my fears. Vacate, I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't let you. God help us. Paul W.S. Anderson's Event Horizon from 1997 is currently sitting at a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, which says a lot about how I feel about this movie already. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a 2 out of 4, and on Letterboxd, it currently has a 3.2 out of 5. John, I'm, uh... I know. I'm gonna break your heart a little uh, bit. <laughs> you could feel it while we were watching it. I didn't really vibe with this movie. That hurts me a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, I like this movie so much. Do you want to just do ratings and then deconstruct from there? Mm, I'm not ready to rate. <laughs> okay. I need you Don't to argue. Don't want to break my heart. Some things for this movie. Sure. You had too many questions while watching this. <laughs> you had so many questions while watching this movie. I don't recall. 
Yeah, you don't, I bet you don't remember a damn thing about the movie. I cannot compute. <laughs> <laughs> Even just the opening. So, like, you're you're a horror fan. You understand cold opens and how they may not necessarily be related or possibly just nightmares. But you kept insisting that Sam Neill's nightmare, where he's a dead body on the event horizon, was actually him and that they had rescued him from the ship. That's just, okay, <laughs> that's what I thought had occurred. Because he woke up from the nightmare and it was like, they had orchestrated it very well so that he seamlessly was that headless whatever being. Okay, so I'm going to put that in the pro column for the movie. They orchestrated it very well. Good job, movie. To confuse <laughs> yes, of me course. immensely. And that's what it's to do. That's exactly what it's to so do. So I assumed that because he, he had these... Okay, we need to <laughs> talk about this. So everybody in this movie is haunted by things they've done but they don't are get are they they don't get haunted until they are on the event horizon okay but sam neil is haunted from the very beginning he's already event horizon he's event horizoning <laughs> on the lotus flower or whatever the name of their ship is the, you mean to tell the jimmy me. and carlos whatever that ship name is oh what was the clark the clark uh, the lewis and clark the lewis and clark yeah but they just refer to it as the clark yeah Sam Neill is inexplicably haunted. You mean to tell me that the protagonist of this movie has a past that has affected the decisions that he's making in this film? All of giving them him do. Giving him an arc? All of them do. But you mean, oh, you mean like characters should. <laughs> the haunting, prema the premature haunting was confusing. I was confused. Moving on. It's, I mean, like any movie in space, you've got a character who's either like, they're spending years in space, so how can they be away from the I Earth I just that didn't long? understand. Like, everybody was mean to Sam Neill also. Everybody hates they Sam Neill so him. much. And, like, I was very confused why he was given a team that didn't want to work for him. Were they already on a mission and he just jumped aboard their ship and was like, we're going to Neptune? What was the deal there? That's exactly what it sounds like. They were, they, I don't necessarily know. What do they do when they're not going to Neptune? They are the crew of a ship. They bring people to places that they need to go. So why are they so mean about it? Because they wanted to go home. Mm. <laughs> they do hate him so much. And he is so polite not to say anything about Captain Fishburne's stupid chair. It is the stupid. They is, should give him a medal for not saying anything about that dumb chair. That's all I want to talk about in this movie is Lawrence Fishburne's captain's chair. I love that it moves back and forth throughout like the, the mm, I don't know, dock of the ship. The What do you call it? The front of the ship? The control center? Sure. The control room of the ship. The steering area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but so the we the worst part, the worst moment for this chair was so there's a scene where they're all in their relative positions. Like we have the lieutenant on the left, we have the the steery guy in the middle, and yep. and Lawrence Fishburne. Somebody's saying I can't hold it, Captain. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's in his stupid captain's chair, and they all make the decision like we're gonna go to this room, we're gonna do this thing, and they all like clear out. They're all up and out of the room, and he has to wait for his <laughs> chair to do a three sixty before he stands up, and, gets and out it's of moving it. so slow. <laughs> it's he terrible. literally could have just stood up and walked out of the room, but he waits for the chair to do a full rotation. I would love to see that chair race against one of those um, stair chairs that like you see advertised for your elderly family members, but a 
around a racetrack, like, like at like Woodbine, <laughs> like we're racing dogs. Like I would bet so hard on any other chair. The chair. 2047 captain's chair is falling behind. You got to love that in 2040, not only do we have 2047, 2047, my mistake. Not only do we have really shitty chairs for our captains, but we're still using CD-ROMs. I liked it. Okay. It's stuck. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> it's uh, so yeah. Oh, let's let's. They're they're trying to. They get on the event horizon and they find. We haven't even CD. talked about the plot at all. We've talked about the captain's chair. Oh, it's my fault. I brought up the CD. Now we got to talk about the fact that like, oh, all of the info that we need, everything that we came for, hundreds of thousands <laughs> of light years, we've got to pull out with our bare hands, scratch it all up, so it's useless. Dialing <laughs> it back a bit. Everybody hates Sam Neil. No one wants him there. They don't care about his opinion, and that never changes. Never, ever, ever changes. So this crew, their job is essentially, I guess, to just ferry people from one location to another. Like, they they are the crew of the ship, and then the passengers are the people that they're essentially employed to take care of and transport. Uh, you're telling me, I... Don't... Yeah, well, I'm just saying. And they, okay. they came back to Earth, they were expecting to go down, see their families, you know, reunite with their children. Were they? That's what they're telling me. And then Sam Neill comes on. Emergency situation. Okay. We're pulling you guys. Sorry. Gotta go back out on another tour of duty. Take this guy to Neptune. They don't even know why they're going. That's probably why they're also so mad. True. And I, I love that it isn't until they wake up from cryo sleep around Neptune that he's like, okay, so here's the deal. We're going to go. Uh, well, because they're already there ship. at this point. So, like, they can't turn back. Well, yeah, there's, there's a point like, in a they, return for sure. They could turn back, but they don't because. Ooh, that's actually a good point when you think about the fact that the ship is called the Event Horizon. What? Oh. So. What? I don't. I'm a scientist. Are we learning something here? Hopefully. I mean, I could have it all wrong. The uh, the event horizon is like, fuck, somebody's listening to this and they know I'm an idiot. (laughs) There is somebody a hundred times. That's my favorite part of these little, like, (laughs) training moments on the podcast where you, like, try to debrief me. No, don't say it like that. That that sounds like mansplaining. But, like, as as somebody who... Mansplaining with John. As somebody who is a bit of a nerd for space. A bit of a nerd. Bit of a nerd for space. Got a wild obsession with the moon. I don't know why. Um... The event horizon is when you approach a black hole. Oh, are you doing the paper moment with Sam Neill right now? I guess so. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Layman's terms. So the, the event horizon is at the point of no return where you are now being sucked into the the black hole. That's exactly it. The, 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 is that the, what the, you mean what the word means? Yes. Okay. So like the precipice of a black hole. Sure. Okay. Yeah, like there's you, once once you've hit that, it's you are gone. Like there, there is no pulling away from. The All right, black so hole. you're the bee in the blip. <laughs> the bee in the blip. The word blip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I mean, like the fact that they are now at Neptune and it's the point of no return is when he decides to give them all the information. Also, the fact so he that uh, he's event horizon man. He's event horizon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what's happening. My favorite part about all of that is that he goes. So this ship, we told everyone that it blew up, which is hilarious because in the crawl of the movie at the very beginning, there was a crawl. Yeah, it tells us, like, in 1997, oh, right. we did this. In 2022, we did that. And then also, like, the scariest thing about space is either, like, we're alone in the world or we're... Oh, no, that's a different movie. <laughs> that was a completely different movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I watched a, a bunch have, of space movies this week. We have seen a bunch of space and alien movies. It's been fun. Um, 
<laughs> and in the crawl, it's it tells us it tells us what happened to the Event Horizon ship that it disappeared, and then seven years later it returned. But then we then we learn also that everybody on Earth assumes that it blew up. Did they? And that was a cover story. <gasps> yeah, but the real story, Samuel's got it. Ship's back. We don't know where it came from, but we did get one we lonely got transmission <laughs> that says, like, <laughs> we're all dying, don't <laughs> count. We got a transmission from the demons of hell. Yeah, like, better check it out. Yeah, that tape was, like, terrifying. Yeah, how would you, why like, would you? Rah! Like, there were, like, hellfire sounds and, like, demony sounds, and then somebody speaking a dead language. Well, also, it's not like... It's not like it's the most unknown language on the planet Earth. It's Latin. And like one guy yeah, on the ship. Yeah, but we all know demons use Latin. Sure, but. That's their preferred language of choice. You mean to tell me. Especially if 16-year-old girls do not know Latin beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> she's speaking Latin and backwards. <laughs> we know she's possessed now. That's three octaves lower than she could ever possibly do. You mean to tell me that none of the people at NASA recognized it as Latin? None of those big, thick, glass rim nerds know Latin. That's true, because that doctor deciphered it and like... Yeah. Pretty sure it says, save me? Yeah. Let's go on that ship. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Latin, like, the, the foundation of a lot of science stuff comes from Latin, correct? So it would make sense why the doctor knew the Latin. No, but it doesn't make sense that nobody in NASA was like, oh, hey, I think that's Latin. Let me just punch that in. Oh, God. We're scientists, <laughs> not linguists. It's... Let's go to the hellfire. Uh, okay, either way, <laughs> at some point somebody decided that it was a economical choice to send people to their deaths at hellfire around Neptune, and that's why we are now at the ship Event Horizon. So things I like. Yeah. Hell being in Neptune. Um, you, what? Even if it's only because the Event Horizon is there. Huh? I like it. I like that hell's at Neptune. Can we? The entrance to hell's at Neptune. Whatever, huh? John. It's fine. I don't think it has anything to do with Neptune. I know it doesn't. It's okay. coincidence. But saying hell's in Neptune sounds real nice. Well, it also gives us a goal. Like, if we if we really start propagating that theory that, like, oh, hell's actually on Neptune. Well, if you we think just need if, to send people. If you think about it, everybody in this movie, it's 2047, they're already born now. Like, the, the event you, you horizon. You could not get that out of your head. I loved it. It was my movie. favorite fact. You're like, I, I think was... Lawrence Fishburne's a little boy right now. <laughs> so when I was thinking about it, too, I was just like, all these people live in a universe where Trump was president. Like, they all have this awareness <laughs> going to hell. Uh, I don't know. I liked it. It vibed with me. Also, I was thinking that all these people are kids of millennials. So they're like... Oh, well, we'll use millennials because Neptune, millennials. So, like, all of them have, like, dads with lots of tattoos and just, like, saggy earrings right yeah, now? Yeah, who, like, will only drink beer if it was, like, eight fifty a can. <laughs> I like that. Makes sense why, the, like, they opened a gate to hell because, like, every generation's getting it worse and worse. And then, what, we're only two generations away from opening a portal to hell within our solar system? Pretty so, cool. So... So part of the interesting thing about the Event Horizon and the, the fact that it launched off near Neptune was because they, the ship is powered by a... Yeah, why the fuck did they have to go to Neptune? So Sam Neill says it once and it's very quick, but it's in there. Is so... it in his paper <laughs> argument? <laughs> no, he was he was explaining like what Event Horizon was doing back in 2040 and how they waited for it to get a safe enough distance away from Earth. Oh, so that Earth wouldn't get sucked into their... Yeah, because essentially what they're doing is creating a black hole that they then go into. Like, they use, what, what do they call it, a gravity core? Something yeah. like that? Gravitational engine core thing? Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Uh, but yeah, like, they create a black hole, they go into the black hole, 
and that's how they're supposed to travel, quote-unquote, faster than the speed of light. What's interesting about that to me, as a space nerd... Mm -hmm. As a scientist. As a, as a casually obsessed <laughs> scientist. As a casually obsessed space nerd. I'm looking at your doctorate right now. Yeah. It's yeah. a creep show poster. Yep. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> says it all. In the 60s, there was a lot of talk about... Uh, you know, if you want to look it up, it's called Project Orion. But there was a lot of talk about using nuclear bombs to, to propel space travel. This is scary. Well, that's why it never happened. Okay. Because apparently, like... Yeah, but, like, did Russia do it? <laughs> <laughs> did Russia do it? Well, like, did they do it? Uh, well, to be honest, it's actually kind of They almost... kill dogs and monkeys I, up there. I do not trust them in space. They yeah. are just, like, willy-nilly with their non-human astronauts. Well, also in how they kill their dogs and stuff was, was not nice. Because they said that they had a machine that euthanized them. Okay, I don't want to... We're not talking about this. I will Talk about Orion. So, uh, that, that said, quick aside, there is a stop-motion sort of Fantastic Mr. Fox movie that came to Fantastic Fest a few years ago called Laika, which is about the dog that got sent into space, and it it posits a theory that Laika actually traveled to another planet and found a lot of friends. Oh, that's so good. So, we could watch that. Mm. <laughs> not for the podcast, just for fun. Okay. You still don't want to watch I it. I don't. You think it's going to be sad anyway? Well, because I just know that that dog is dead now. Oh, all right. Lots of dogs are dead now. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Maybe the wrong thing to say. Project Orion, though. Mostly a conspiracy theory, I think, but it was something that they were talking about using uh, nuclear bombs to propel gigantic spaceships through the fucking, you know, atmosphere and whatnot. This is stressing me out. And the reason they didn't do it is because they thought it would be a catastrophe. All they... the dogs are dead? <laughs> yes, every single dog you've ever seen online is dead now. <laughs> That's not true. I hate when my Instagram favorite dogs oh die. God, it's the, the saddest, saddest thing ever. <laughs> or when that cat from Pet Cemetery died. Oh. Too soon. Yeah, he didn't even get to, like, enjoy his fame. He went viral with his little tie at the premiere, and then he yeah. died. Why are we doing this? I don't know. <laughs> we have passed the event horizon of animal sadness. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, I think the Event Horizon plot of the idea of using, like, a black hole thing is is sort of derived from, from the Project Orion thing, which I thought was really interesting. Apparently, that's something that they used in Warhammer, and so a lot of people who are into oh. Warhammer think of this as, like, an unofficial prequel. And I, who have never played Warhammer, I like to think of it as a Hellraiser movie, mostly because they go to hell. And there's lots of chains. Yeah, right? right? That's all you need? Yeah. Man, this fucking ship, though, is metal as fuck. Right? Like, you gotta go through, like, a fucking buzzsaw meat grinder tunnel There's a to lot get to of the core, and the core is full of spikes style. and shit. Like, like, they designed a hell ship before they made it a hell ship, and it was just like, I think you guys knew that this was gonna become baddie. I mean, right? unless, the thing, like, right? hell took over and was like, we need more spikes on these doors. Well, the, I, I guess the question, like, Sam Neill is super drawn to that ship, and I think that's part of what the nightmares are, right? Like, they are drawing him there okay. like he's fated to be there in some way or they're just pulling him toward it almost like a fucking black hole that continues to grow in size and swallows people up no matter how far away they are isn't that the idea of a black hole that it'll only ever always get bigger yeah like, he doesn't get tired and pack up and go home doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> either way so like maybe hell had already taken over once they started engineering it and somebody was like yeah some chains yeah what if we put studs on this panel over here green lighting where all of our circuitry is 
that was awesome, by the way. When he's like, I think there's a short. And he opens a panel and it's just fucking and there like were a lot green of, like, fog glow. Cube rooms. Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, that was a lot of circuitry. Because he like, and he knew exactly where the one particular, I guess he did make the ship. He made the fucking ship? So that, then that means he always made the ship spooky. So that hallway they have to enter to get into the gravitatorium. What are you talking about, Kim? That's so there was no disruption. That Ripley's Believe It or Not hallway of yeah. like vertigo unnecessariness. It's, uh, oh, come <laughs> on. Is it unnecessary if it looks great? It's a movie. Okay. Man, I'm into it. I bought into it so hard. You, you did buy into it. So fucking hard. Like, I was so excited to rewatch this movie. And like, and every time something like that came on screen, I was like, fuck yeah, Event Horizon, yeah. <laughs> and like, but I can't, I can't throw my fists in the air because I see you, arms crossed, like, I don't know. Okay, so I was expecting, <laughs> so you promised me portals huh? to hell in space. I wanted- I think I delivered. I think I wanted like more doom. Like, more monsters and creatures and, like, hell beings on this ship. And what I think the problem is, is that this is more of a haunted ship and less of a demon ship. Fuck yeah, girl. And, like, haunted ship, when you say it, sounds really cool. But when you're expecting demon ship, you don't want haunted ship. You want haunted ship when you want haunted ship. It's haunted by demons. Like is it the though? Fucking, the fucking ship is like alive. Is it though? It, because it left a ship unex- and it came back a fucking entity. Mm-hmm. It's alive. It's unexplicably just Sam Neill with no <laughs> eyes. Like he's our only demon thing. He gets like shot into space and then he's back for some reason. He's back, baby! No! <laughs> You can't. She won't let us leave. What I mean, we got Fireboy for a minute, which was okay. I liked Fireboy. Fireboy's great. Like when he comes up out of that fucking black goo near the. And he's uh, like, the "You engine. kill me." And Lawrence Fishburne's like, "I didn't know I was the hero of this movie." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know, you say everybody's got like these weird tortured backstories. Yeah. It's just Sam Neill and Lawrence they Fishburne. They all have tortured backstories. Well, okay. Explain the other two. Just the, because mom wants to go home and see her son does not make it a tortured backstory. She saw him with, like, leech legs. That's once they got on the ship. And then the... That's her fears. Yeah, maybe. That she can't take care of her son and something's gonna happen to him while, oh, well, while she's not at Earth. Whatever. You know? And then there was that other kid who, like, suicided himself. He suicided because the, he fucking saw hell! <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, he literally says, if you've seen the things that I've seen, you wouldn't stop me. That's dope. Also, the scene where he goes to kill himself in that airlock. It was a good scene. The, the, like, it's like he's possessed, but then right when we've got to the that was very event mean. horizon yes. of Ugh. that airlock, <laughs> the point of no return Hell on was that, real mean to do that to him. It's so mean, where he comes back, and he's fully, like, he doesn't even know what's happened. And he's just, like, he's all, he's just present for his own demise. Horrifying. But Lawrence Fishburne, good thing he really knows how to do that slidey up the ladder thing, because he got there in time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm surprised that kid didn't freeze at all. Yeah. Are you able to go into space, like, without a suit and survive that? Like, doesn't your brain boil or something? Like, isn't it freezing? <laughs> it's Yes, it's incredibly cold. There's no there's no atmosphere. There's no heat. They're so, so far and away from the sun. And his eyes kind of exploded a little. That will happen. I think. Mm, whatever. It worked. Yeah, it's great. They didn't. They were just like, Ugh, and we'll he lives. <laughs> he lives through the whole movie. Yeah, he is like. I feel really so just, bad for him. The be- secret is just to go to hell first. Oh, if you're okay. gonna go to hell, be the first one in. Yeah, that's the trick. Why did the portal open then? 
Because the portal never really closed. See, the the ship has, I don't want to say it has a mind of its own, but it's like the ship is possessed now, right? It's like it. Op- That's what you keep saying. <laughs> wow. That's what the movie told me. That's okay. what fucking Sam Neill said. Did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. He totally said that. He said that it went, it, the, the ship went, it left a ship. But it came back something else entirely, right? Oh, right. That, yeah, and, like, that was a she good won't one. let you leave. Which I also think is great because that's just how you refer to ships and the vessels. Like, she, you know, you refer to it as a she. So, like, it's already, like, you pretend that it has some sort of sentience. Or, um, like, you humanize it in some weird way anyway. Mm-hmm. So then for it, to all, for it to become alive is fucking awesome. So I kind of had a, a fan theory uh-huh. while I watched this one time. This is my fan theory. Yeah. That this movie is just The Shining. Sure. In space. It's even got the fucking, like, blood explosion, right? And um, the whole sequence with his wife and seeing her commit suicide is room 237. It's the bathroom. I mean, fuck, you want to talk room 237? Wait till we get into the beyond. But, um... Yeah, so I my secret, that's my, my theory, is that this movie is just The Shining. It's kind of like The Shining, yeah. Yeah, and then so like the Gravity Tron or whatever is like the um the boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's and then the Event Horizon ship is the Overlook Hotel. Yeah, like I love the idea that it becomes And haunted. Sam Neill has always been there. See, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, and like this is what I really appreciate about Event Horizon. Like I, I you know, obviously like I love the space stuff. I love how metal everything fucking looks. It's awesome. Um, but like just thinking of it as a haunted house story, like your your house in a horror movie becomes haunted because, you know, it's built over top of an Indian burial ground. Or a portal to hell. Directly over top of a portal to hell, right? When you bought the pieces of wood at the store, they weren't haunted. But, like, once you slammed them all together and had a house and tried to put life into it, it became evil. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens with the Event Horizon. They build it. It's just a ship. It goes off into space to hell, comes back haunted as fuck. Like, it doesn't matter where it goes. A piece of hell is there with that ship. Like, hell exists now in our universe. So then, basically, what you're saying is this kid, when they get him back to Earth, he's going to infect Earth with hell, then? They are making an Event Horizon series. Excuse me? Yeah. Amazon, How do I not know this? Amazon Studios, uh, Adam Wingard. No fucking way! So maybe it's just, like, following hell on Earth because they brought back the guy that went to hell. It's probably just gonna be, like, the Haunting of Hill House, but in space! Oh, man, aren't you excited? I'm surprised you don't like this movie that much. I just wanted hell. Okay, so I wanted want... like fire and brimstone and like demon dogs running around. Sure, yeah. You probably already know this. I do like the idea of a haunted ship, but I don't know if I want my hell and haunted in the same space. Oh, who cares? Oh, so two great ideas can't mash together into one just... awesome idea? <sighs> I don't know. You probably already know this. So, like, I apologize if I'm repeating something that you just read five minutes ago, but, like, you do understand that there are a large group of people out there who want to see the unedited cut of this movie that is lots more demons and hellscape stuff. Is that true, though? That is true. Paul W.S. Anderson, the director, has talked about it. The fact that they had to take out large chunks of those sequences. That's also why they flash by so fast. 
Like when Sam Neill puts his hand on Lawrence Fishburne's head and he's like, I want you to see. And then he fucking like sees like everybody on his crew just like getting like changed. Oh yeah. And they, and that shit. was like very Hellraiser-y. Yeah. Like you got it. Like all of those shots that I've shown you, like look at this awesome shot from this movie. This That's awesome true. shot. There like, were a lot of like really cool sequences. I was like, I did not even see that. Yeah. And even in the, like when I was just refreshing on the, um, the synopsis, I don't even remember them watching the tape of the crew. Yeah, they do. And like that's that's the I think that's probably the part like that and the the Lawrence Fishburne vision are the two things that I think were cut down the most. Mm. Where you see more of the crew being tortured and pulling their own fucking eyes out, their their intestines through their mouth and shit. Yeah. That's kind of what got. I think it's just like the the human embodiment, like the 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 ghost or the spirit or hell or whatever embodying we're embodying Sam Neill yeah. is kind of what I didn't vibe with and like the the mom character going off and following her son and stuff like I I don't know I just I guess that 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 really works with like the haunted and we're haunted by like our lives at on earth and it knows everything about us and stuff but like why did Sam Neill come back after he blew out of the ship Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't. I don't have a good answer for it. Like you. his no eyes looked cool, but if you can, right. if you right. can literally reapparate him, why not apparate him with some eyes again? Because it's physically because a- we're not gonna need eyes to see where we're going. Oh, he doesn't say that. Fucking great. He? There are so many good lines in this movie where, like, they're like, "Oh, what are you talking about? Hell?" And he's, "Hell is just a word. The reality is much worse." Come on, you don't love this shit. I'd like, honestly, the back half of the movie, like everything that Sam Neill says should have been the tagline for the poster. So for like how much you're really vibing with this movie, I'm I'm surprised you don't like the Hellraiser franchise more. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Because like those Cenobites are throwing out lines like that all the time. Yeah, you know, it's the biblical stuff. Mm. I'm like, I don't love biblical horror and i know that there's a huge group of people so you replace godliness with spaceliness and you are like on board i mean spaceliness is next to godliness (laughs) Um. (laughs) oh boy i don't yeah no uh, honestly and i I think maybe that's partly why i like event horizon so much like for despite the fact that i don't like hell and god and demons and stuff like that this movie does something for me you know, I, it might even just be that there's a severe lack of scripture. That might also be it. Because, like, the Cenobites and Hellraiser, like, you know, not that I've, like, committed the entire movie to memory. Like, I've really only seen each of them once or twice at most. Um, it feels like there are passages from the Bible that are being thrown at me. And, like, yeah. I, I love what Clive Barker does with it because it, like, really twists what's supposed to be, like, a sacred good text and makes it, like, hor- horrifying and evil and stuff. And it's, like, spitting back in its own face. That's awesome. It's it's great. But it's just, it doesn't resonate with me as much. Um, which is always nice when I find, like, good possession movies, too, because those are essentially, like, devil and scripture stuff. But, but yeah, like... uh it is interesting that, it, you know, I think it's also because, like, they, they kind of steer away from the idea of calling it hell. Yeah. Like, it is just a place of evil. And, like, you know, space nerding out a little more, like, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of a multiverse. I think it's interesting. And the idea that you could travel to a different universe that is exactly like our own, but everything is different only for you. Like, it's, like, your personal hell. Like, that would exist. Like, if there are a infinite amount of universes and they're all different... You will go to one that is just... I think I'm in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, have you watched the news lately? We're all in it. Um, Who knew all of our personal hells are the same? And they've all folded in on each other. Oh. But, like, this posits the idea that, like, one of them is just a hellscape, and it's just horrifying and eternally evil and all-powerful, which is fun and interesting. I like that idea. Or even just the idea that hell is a dimension that you could travel to is weird. Like, hell has a bus stop now. Yeah, hell's got a bus stop. All right. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling a bit. No, I get I get you. I get you. And I, I, they do kind of say something about, like, we went to another dimension and that dimension was evil. So, like, it might not even be hell. It's just a, like you're saying, like another film on top of the layer of the universe that's just filled with bad stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think I just think the movie's cool. Like, it's, I, <laughs> yeah, like, that's all it comes down to. Like, I, I fucking love that guy screaming Latin, like, don't, like, liberate me or whatever. And he's got his fucking eyeballs in his hands and shit. And then everybody else has their eyeballs sucked out. I don't even remember this. Well, I just mean the fact that, like, Sam Neill's wife doesn't have eyeballs. His ghost wife oh, doesn't yeah. have eyeballs. He doesn't have eyeballs because you don't need them. And what's up with hell and eyeballs? Maybe this is a discussion to have for the beyond, but it seems like hell has no business with human eyes. <laughs> right? You don't, you also don't like the, like, the, the final scare where they're being saved and it's, and like, the, the rescue team turns around and it's fucking Sam Neill again? Man, I don't know why I'm so jazzed about this movie. Yeah, I... Because, like, I see, I, I see what you're getting at. Like, I know why it's not good. No, it, um... I don't know, and I I, th- I guess I also, too, just didn't really vibe with the characters either. Okay. I really liked Cooper. I thought he was super funny. Yeah. Um, Lawrence but Fishburne's a badass in this Lawrence movie, too. Lawrence Fishburne's kind of a dick the whole movie. But he's not happy to be there. And, I like, know. He's always... Everything that they're doing sounds risky, and, like, the last time that they took any risks, he had to watch... A, he had to let a crewman die. Yeah. I don't know. I just wasn't vibing with it this time, John. I'm sorry. That's Okay. Um, do you want to do ratings? Are you ready to do ratings? Do you want to talk about Helmore? As always, with movies that I like. I just don't want the conversation to end. But yeah, I mean, it'd be weird if I didn't say four out of four right now. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm going to give it a two out of four. That's all right. A nice, it. friendly two. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but like on a grading scale of only out of fours, I want to give it a four. Yeah, like, no, before, you vibe with it. It's bef- fine. Before we sat down, I thought 3.5 out of four, you know, whatever. But, like, I I don't know. I've talked myself up to a level of excitement that I can't deny. <laughs> I feel like that's our kind of our podcast in a nutshell. Talking threes into fours. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I, every rating that I've written down on my notes has always been lower than what I gave it when we sat down to talk. <laughs> like, I'm easily... This is maybe not a good thing to say out loud in public to other people, but it's like, I'm easily persuaded, even by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited then to hear what you have to say about The Beyond. Oh, you mean The Beyond? Who else is here? There's nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. This house was constructed 
on one of the... him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Lucio Fulci's The Beyond is currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a 0.5 out of 4 in 1998. Wow. In the, like, unedited re-release came out and it's currently sitting at a 3.6 out of 5 on letterboxd so this was a first time watch for both of us oh yeah uh only the second Fulci movie we've ever seen what's the other one the other one is uh was like murder rock what is that like jazzercise horror movie that we watched recently jazzercise oh i remember oh, that the, the dance of death is that what it is murder rock dance of death it's got some weird ass title like that but oh boy that's a good one <laughs> Um, so, yeah, this movie's kind of bonkers. Oh, this movie's nuts. This movie's nuts! In the best possible way. Right? Yeah. Right. I think we need to dissect it. I think let's we need to- Let's get into it. Let's, I, this one, I think we're gonna have to go through the plot because some shit happens in this movie. Louisiana, 1927. Guy paints a picture everyone's not happy about. Oh, does he paint that picture in the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Fuck, why don't I remember that? And then, like, a, a super silent, quiet mob. <laughs> angry mob comes. They don't say a damn word. Like, the most quiet, orchestrated mob. Two bikes, or two boats, two cars. 1920s assassins. They came with their fisticuffs and whatnot. It was weird seeing their torches inside the hotel. There was one point where the guy was running with his torch, and it looked like his whole face was on fire. I thought it was great. <laughs> like, you're probably extra warm right now. The whole intro, though, is, like, horny for close-up shots of eyes, though, right? Like, reaction shots of eyes. The whole movie is horny for eyes. Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, both these movies are, man. Like, don't you... Do you not remember everything we just said about all the eyes? eyes. (laughs) I'm really into all those close-up shots of the eyes, though. Like, I think they're great. They're awesome. Every single time they come, it's great. We rack focus from, from worried eyes to the room 36 back to worried eyes. They're... The rack focus work in this movie is incredible. What is rack focus? So it's where you're in one shot, you're focusing on one thing, and then you focus on something else. <gasps> oh yeah, that was a really back. good shot. Yeah, that one was awesome. There's some amazing ones in the set in like the cellar of the hotel where like we're following Emily as she's walking through. Sorry, I know you said you wanted to keep on the plot, but I'm jumping around. I'm confused. We're following Emily. She's like in the background, and then as we come across like something in the foreground that's black, we bam rack focus to a bad guy. Fuck yeah. And there's there's nothing more like classic horror cinema than the, like the zoom focus. Oh yeah. Which this movie does and I don't understand what it's telling us most of the time. We zoom in on a pair of eyes and they're like, oh my God, we just learned something. And I'm like, what did we learn? You know, Italian horror movies are, are really weird too because it's like the Foley tells you how to receive the visual part. Like, you're seeing... Here's a great example. There's a moment in the hospital where a little girl is sitting outside while her mother goes to see her dead father. And prematurely put his funeral suit on. Yeah. Let's... Prematurely. We'll get to it. I love Joe. But uh, a cart comes by, and it's just a normal-looking cart. Just like a gurney filled with stuff. This guy's pushing it as he walks past the girl. Looks normal. 
But the Foley's like, creak, creak, oh, it's full of creepy sounds and like jars and like it's supposed to be like an eerie cart that goes by. Does not look like that, but it sounds like that. Mm. So I think that's how we're supposed to interpret it. And like, I, I, I don't know if it's just trying to justify why Italy has always done ADR work for 100% of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it does give horror movies like a weird ethereal quality sometimes. That I is, kind of like it. It's like, really it, good. it used to bother me back when we didn't really watch those movies. And now that we watch them more and more, I kind of get really excited about it. Yeah. Because the I, footsteps I, still drive me nuts, though. I love them. No. I do. <laughs> and so... I loved like the little, like, the terrible get... spider sounds. Here's the, here's the thing. You tell Some me... of the Foley was actually really good. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> but you, you tell me right now whether or not these, this is a clip that I'm playing from the beyond or if it's just me tapping my phone or my mouse on the desk was that a clip from the beyond or my phone and the mouse you are can't you tell. making a point here you can't tell you know i like things because they're not good <laughs> okay so let's talk a little more about event horizon <laughs> <sighs> So 1927, we take the artist. I don't know why the mob's so mad about him. I guess he's a Satanist? Because we also see a girl reading the book of... Ebonus? Is that what it is? Ebon. Ebon. Thank you very much. Which, we're getting quotes from it in the beginning. You know, like, oh, the book of the whatever, the dead shall walk. <laughs> seven cursed places, or six cursed places? It, it really thinks... One of them's in the basement. Seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs> it's, it seems like they should have been going after this girl, because she's definitely upstairs performing satanic rituals. Is she? I mean, the book light's on fire at some point. I don't think she's in the hotel, though. Oh, you think she's in her other place? I think she's in her place, Mm. and he's in room 36 painting up prophetic things, and they're like, we don't like your art, it's dark, and then they (laughs) inadvertently murder him in the basement, which opens up the portal, right? Is that what opens the portal? Human sacrifice. Maybe they're Satanists. Oh, yeah, maybe they're Satanists. Yeah. And they're like, you know too much, buddy. Get in hell. Or just- Do they know her then? Do they know the girl reading the book? I don't think that ever got explained. That said, though, like they crucify this guy and then they start throwing plaster on him, which is like melting his goddamn face. There is so much. Was it plaster? I thought it was hot wax. Oh, you think it was hot wax? Okay. I mean, I say plaster like because that's what it looks like. I think it's just supposed to be acid. Like they all take turns too, just splashing with acid, and his face is fucking melting away. It was a very gooey scene. The, all of the yeah. death scenes are pretty gooey. Yeah, they are very, and they 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 let the blood flow like water. <laughs> you can see why people really enjoyed Italian horror movies in the seventies, right? Because of 70s the seventies and eighties. Because of the goo. I like the music. Of course, you did. Not so much the goo. Yeah. The, like, goblin. It's, is it goblin? If it's not goblin, it sure as shit sounds like it. And, like, and then the spiders get the cute, cool music. Like every, every, <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment where we are following a guy reading a book, and then we cut away to an establishing shot, and then we follow a car, and that car and is scored with this cool music. Do-do-do. And then we go back to the guy reading the book. Like, there was no reason to leave the book! <laughs> but it gave us a cool moment with some fun goblin music. We're still not out of the intro of this movie. So yeah, far. we are. They are killed we? him. Okay, they killed him. <laughs> it was gooey. I'm fucking in love with that shot, though, where that girl who later is revealed to be Emily um, is reading the the book, the Ebon, and the book lights on fire in front of her. That was cool. It almost looks like her whole goddamn head lights on fire, and that's where we have our credits that show us the fucking title card yeah. and shit. Yeah, and Emily is 
such a cool, eerie... She's almost becomes like a set piece of this movie because she's so well lit every <laughs> scene she's in. like her, right? Because they just wanted to spotlight these white-ass contacts that they have in her eyes. And everywhere she goes, she is fucking haunting and stunning. And that's all I knew of this movie. Like, those are... Yeah. I, I've edited articles. Rachel wrote a really great article about the score to this movie. And, uh... The eyes, like, were every single photo. I was just, like, in more of her and a little more of her and a dash of those contacts. <laughs> well, especially, too, when she shows up for the first time, right? Like, on the middle of the highway to nowhere. Oh, I, I forgot was about sequence. that. It was, like, super spooky. Yeah. And I like that she's got a dog. Well, she's blind. That's how... I, I think she's only got the dog, so we don't think she's dead, right? But we saw her in 1927. Yeah, but, you know... Maybe we didn't, because different girl, different eyes. I don't know. I mean, even the lead looks hauntingly similar to Emily, They do. Emily, There's right? a lot of blonde girls with longish hair in this movie. Yeah. And <laughs> Mainly every- those two. And everybody gets co- white contact eyes at some point. Uh, when she shows up on the highway, it's so fucking good. Like, it's like there's so much fog that, like, you can't see the water along the side of the highway. You can't see anywhere beyond, like, 100 feet. And so, like, it, it looks like she's just driving through a dream. And maybe she fucking is. I don't know. Because she's obviously- She's always in the basement? Mm Hmm? Holy shit, Kim. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Mm Hmm? I don't know what else I could say to describe that scene. (laughs) It's really, really good. But so we, uh, you know, they're renovating this hotel. She's inherited the hotel by, by all account, it has been condemned or left empty for the last 50 years since they killed somebody in the basement, I think. And now people are outside painting. They've called a plumber to get rid of all the water sitting in the basement. And everybody that comes near this house, these ghosts, these demons, whatever, hate contractors. They hate them. Oh, yeah. You send somebody to fix this house up? No, no, no. Gone. We're going to squish his face. Even the ghosts that came with the house are not safe from the house. Yeah. So, like, what is Emily's connection to all this, right? I don't know Emily's connection. I don't know the two, I guess they're the maids and the butler that came with the house. I don't know their connection. They're weird. Thought they were ghosts the whole time. The main girl, Liza, apparently she has some connection to the house because she inherited it. And then at the end, the doctor's like, who are you? And she's like, what do you mean? And then we never revisit that. That doctor is so great. They call him because somebody falls off a scaffold and is close to death. And he just like, he gets there like he's a tourist and he takes a look around and he saunters in. Like, I did not think it was a doctor until he pulled out his doctor's bag from the back of his like <laughs> Mustang car or something. Uh, it was great. Love him. He's weird. He's like, um... He's supposed to be, like, a hero. He is supposed to be, like, the hero. I mean, how many other doctors do you know that keep revolvers in their office desk? Infinite bullet revolvers. Yeah, this guy has been waiting for the moment that all the dead bodies in the morgue come back to life. Because right? he was just, like, a sure shot. Okay, we will get to it. <laughs> we will get to it. Um, but yeah, so the scaffolding dude hits his head, and then Joe in the basement, the plumber, MVP good old Joe, of the movie. Fucking loved Joe. Joe's great. Was my favorite person. Joe's just like eternally cool. Doing Even whatever. dead Joe is cool. Yeah, I fix I fix leaky pipes, smoke cigarettes, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone knows that. Like it's that's on, on his license. my license plate. <laughs> <laughs> Even Fulci loved Joe so much that we go to his funeral and we meet his wife and his daughter, and then we bring him back from the dead. Maybe Joe. Did we ever get his last name? Are his initials JC? Is he a Jesus Christ figure? Is that what we're getting at? But he went down so early. I mean, Jesus Jesus died when he was 33, 27 Kim. Club. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Amy uh, Winehouse, Kurt Cobain. 
Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> Was Kurt Cobain 27? Yeah. Oh, shit. Doesn't that make you feel sad? Just because well, be, we're old. Because now. we're older yeah. than 27 and yeah. we haven't also recorded in utero? Yeah. Yeah. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Janis Joplin was 27? Yeah. Oh. Jimi Hendrix was 27? Yeah. Ew, let's Jim, stop talking. I think Jim Morrison also. Oh, God. Right? We're lazy. We're old. Yeah. What have we been doing? We just this watched horror podcast. movies. <laughs> Nightmare on Film Street is listener supported. We'd like to take this moment to thank our patrons. Are you ready? Thanks. Want to join the Fiend Club? Hightail it to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. It's so sad when Joe gets taken out, but fuck, does it look good. He's just like smashing bricks, trying to like find the source of this leak. Finding secret hallways. Fucking demon hands coming up and just squishing the shit out of his face until he dies. Yeah. And that is also very goopy. Yeah, it's also, it's great. I yeah. love it. Goop. You're not into the goop, right? I'm eh? not a goop fan. No. No. It just looked like there was like a head and then underneath was some cake batter. And then we wanted to like get as much of the cake batter out as possible. We're watching a 4K restoration. We're also watching it with 2020 eyes. What if you had seen this and just like a drive-in in 1981 though. i'm sure i still would have been ooh gross oh so it's not a complaint like oh does it oh no good? i think everything looks great but it's okay. just like too gooey for you, my taste i was surprised how often you looked away i don't like goop yeah it was nuts especially well especially the tarantulas which we'll get to but i gotta assume you were looking away half gagging when joe's wife is getting melted by acid i kind of like that okay so, because <laughs> her her like the the form they made of the head was like wax, so it was like they were melting it with hot water. Yeah, it was pretty good. I'm into it. It was pretty good. So yeah, Joe's Joe's uh, Joe's dead. He's at the hospital. Uh, they've they've also brought the body that they found in sitting in water. Yeah, nobody talks say. about all of these like really massacred corpses they keep finding in this hotel. Nobody's concerned about three dead bodies showing up at this place in the span of three hours, maybe. <laughs> Maybe three hours? Uh, but either way, she's there to wash his body and put his tux on while he's still at the hospital. And he's still lying on like a bloody autopsy sheet. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I do not think she's been given the okay to do this. But, you know, she's grieving. It's no big deal. And, like, we were so amazed at how much time, like, how much this movie loved Joe. Because we were like, oh, Joe's got a family. Like, <laughs> like... We did not need any of that morgue stuff, but we were there. Yeah, it's nuts. And like the like the horror of that scene, like first off, she screams at something. At something. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's 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 backtrack even more than that. For some reason, this decaying seven-year-old corpse, they say, even though we know he's been there for like 50, 60 years, they hook him up to a heart monitor? Just to confirm yeah. that his decayed, bloated corpse is in fact dead. And they don't turn it off. It's still there. We're still just in- assuring that Watching it some blippers. And then at some point, Joe's wife sees something and screams. We don't know what. We, I assume it, it had something to do with that heart monitor. Or the corpse maybe sitting up or something. Something. Yeah. Never comes into play. No. Her daughter sitting outside, hears the scream, runs in, finds her mom on the floor, and in, you know, in her fainting spell has knocked over a jar of acid. An that is... open resting jar yeah, of acid. Which you just keep around, of Reasons course. why grieving wives are not allowed in the morgue. <laughs> exactly. Because such is their grief that they won't wake up when their own face is being melted by acid. 
and her daughter's just sitting there doing like the like <laughs> she's doing like the Brad, Janet, Dr. Scott between <laughs> between her her dead dad, her dying mom and this other corpse that's over here and she's just shooting back and forth between the three Dr. of them. Dr. Scott. Yeah. And it, it seemed so weird to me why it was going on so long and then we see like this pool of just melted flesh I love and the blood. mom foam. Yeah, the mom foam just like creeping toward her so slowly. I loved slowly. it. It was wonderful. Honestly, it, it, it wasn't even until later in the movie when that sort of style has happened three times, I think, that it kind of clicked into me that it's like nightmares almost. Like she's... Oh, here we go again. John okay. and his nightmare imagery. Oh, so sorry <laughs> that there's something about horror movies that I like. <laughs> But it's it's like he's trying to tap into that fear of being stuck in place, right? Like, I, I spent so much time going, like, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you screaming? Why aren't you getting help? Why aren't you doing something? But she's just panic-stricken. Mm-hmm. She can't move. She can't do anything. Like, that's how you feel in fear, it, it, you know, in nightmares. Doesn't she get the contact eyes in that scene? So that is the other fucking crazy thing. So she, like, runs out of the room into, like, another morgue where there's more dead bodies <laughs> that, like, ah, scare her. And then we cut to... A funeral. Don't know if it's Joe's or Joe's wife. I assume both. Double funeral. Yeah. Half price. Yeah. Oh. And. <laughs> oh. It was a good deal. Everybody in the town loved Joe. Well, um, I guess because in New Orleans, you all kind of get in the same plot. So, like, they just, like, threw both bodies in the in the steamer. Oh, yeah. Where you just cook them for, like, ten years and then mash them up afterward. We did the tour, guys. Yeah, it's kind of how it happens. Very we know everything like, about yeah. cemeteries in New Orleans. We're oh, kind yeah. of. Well studied for $15 each. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then also at the end of it, telling us that there's another cemetery a just as good. A free one? That we could have gone to. Mm. Like, you mean to tell me I just gave $40 to the Roman Catholic Church for no fucking reason? Thank you very much. It was funny. <laughs> Not happy about it. Very hot. Anyway, at the funeral, you know, it's super sad. Everybody's, you know, upset to see Joe go. And then the little girl turns to the camera, and now she's got evil eyes? We haven't proven that the eyes are evil, though. Maybe oh, that oh she's we just, just proved that she went blind. She's seen hell. Mm? So that's that's the thing. Like, mm? is it is it grief? Is it like we've seen horrors? I think it's hell. So her personal hell is getting locked into an autopsy room with her dead parents. Yes. I mean that sounds bad. It's yes. definitely not a nice day at the park. I'll give you that. I don't know. I was so so confused by that i have a whole paragraph in my notes written just about that moment it's so good what's emily's deal then yeah like emily i spent so much of this movie thinking that she was evil and it's it's actually the scene directly after that funeral that one super confusing until we watched it a second time okay so the scene we're talking about is when emily basically warns liza that her house is super evil. Yeah, like they, they <laughs> keep getting buzzers for room 36, which is a cool setup that I didn't know about in hotels. Yeah, the, the hotel buzzer thing. Is yeah. that like when you call for like the front desk when you're like, hey, I need some toast or something? Yeah, but I, I guess back then it was more just they would send somebody up. Because mm. like it keeps buzzing th- 36. Yeah. Um, she has stigmata when she, you know, hand touches a painting to see what it is, the way you would hand touch somebody's face. <laughs> and then she runs off and there's... This really long extended sequence where Liza is just like staring off out her door and they replay the sequence of Emily running off. I could not crack it at first. I was like, did they just accidentally put a whole reel of dailies in this movie? Like we got every shot of this girl running out of the door. But you, a genius, explained it to me. A certified wizard. Yep. 
that they they also played in that like loop. Liza running up to the spot where she was standing, and Liza's feet make sound, mm. and Emily's feet do not make sound. And that's the one thing we know about ghosts. They do not make sound. That's true. They have dogs, but they like they have And they bleed when you rip open their neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Emily thing is strange. So she's like dead but good. Like she's and a she good lives ghost? off property. Like she, yeah, she's, she's haunting a whole, a whole other house. It doesn't. Yeah, she's she's got like rounds. She's visiting and like I don't know. I like that the ghosts or I guess the evil doesn't really have like a perimeter because yeah, they it's also just Louisiana. They also haunt like the archives of the town, <laughs> which is one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yes, the like the pipe obsessed assistant of hers who's. Like, really into helping renovate this house. Find something in the blueprints. We don't know what. Yeah, we just see the blueprints. It doesn't, like, it's not like in the blueprints somebody pointed, like, hell, down here. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but he seemed very concerned about it. And then... Uh, Classic uh, hell move. Falls off the ladder. Falls off the ladder because of lightning and thunderclaps in a perfectly cloudy, perfectly sunny day. And a perfectly cloudy indoors. Oh, I was going <laughs> to cut that. I was going to edit that. <laughs> So honestly, this this also brings us to another comparison to Event Horizon. What's that? You don't remember all the time where there were like lightning flashes throughout the ship? Oh. And it was just like dark, stormy night. But like, which is a classic gothic manner move for a haunted house movie. But not inside. But not in space. Oh. <laughs> and definitely not inside. Yeah, like that basement has a lot of thunderstorms in it. Yeah, th- this whole movie's got a bunch. Maybe that's why the flo- the, the basement's flooded. Because it's raining? Because of all the indoor thunderstorms. <laughs> I like it. Hell is a lot wetter than I thought. Maybe the water is the <gasps> oh, passageway. Oh, oh! Wait, what? Yes! Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. This is also kind of a... You like know, a... like, that guy that rides the boat? The Oh, the... Oh, <laughs> yes! That's Joe! That... What? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's Arthur. Arthur is the guy who jumps up out of the water and grabs oh, her. Oh, true. That's my favorite crash zoom in the movie. You're like, we're tight on Emily's face. He doesn't look dead, to... though. He doesn't look dead, but we did see him previously uh, in his ghost gang when they killed Emily. Yeah. That yeah. scene, that whole scene where Emily gets attacked is Very good. so Super fucking Super spooky. Good. And Joe's there, and he's being a bad, and you're like, Joe. Joe's back. <laughs> Arthur's dead. We didn't know it. Uh, it. Everybody's there, like, including the, what's it, like, Schweiss, the, the artist, I think, who is the person who... Uh, I think he's the boss or something, because she's like, yeah. no, Schweiss, no. <laughs> they say his name a bunch. Schweiss, can... don't. <laughs> it looks so, so fucking good. Like, that's like, I, like, I would take that scene and put it against any of the kill sequences in Blood and Black Lace. Like, the lighting is incredible. And I think we're supposed to learn something there, because in that sequence when she's cowering the corner, she says, like, I did what you asked. Oh. No. Yeah. Oh, like she's supposed to be giving her a little bit of a push. Yeah. Because she's also warning her throughout the movie. She Emily is, is warning, warning Liza her. not to do stuff. But I don't know what the... Yeah, I don't know. And then her dog So she her? she commands her dog to save her because... Dickie! Like, yeah, she's cowering in the corner because even though she's dead and can apparently see ghosts and stuff, she's still blind Yeah. to other ghouls. And yeah, like her dog goes to her rescue and is like attacking Schweiss. And she's like, yeah, rip his neck or whatever. And, Get him like, out of here. Things are going great. And then it's quiet. And like there's a moment of panic. Where you're like, oh no, did they kill the dog? But then the little, the little guy comes by. He's covered in blood. And he's so proud. So proud. And she's like, oh, thank you so much for saving my life. Oh, you're such a nice dog. And then he bites her neck. Yeah, he gouges her fucking throat. 
It looked really good. It was very wet. It looked so good. And I was just very confused because Dickie was a good boy, but then you think- Then he bit her ear off too. She did command him to get all of the ghouls out of the house. And what is Emily if not a ghoul? But wouldn't that mean Dickie's a ghoul? Like, did she go into the pet store and be like, hey, I'm blind now. Can I adopt a dog? I'm blind now. Yeah, she wasn't blind when she was living, right? Was she? I think she was blind. I saw her eye, like actual eyeballs, reading a book. Did you at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Okay. I could be misremembering. I don't. Recall. I'm almost positive she didn't have weird white eyeballs. Mm. We glossed over the fact that like tarantulas come out and eat that guy at the at the library. I loved the fake tarantulas. They had oh, fake tarantulas yeah. with real tarantulas. They had one, like they had like one, maybe two real tarantulas, and then a bunch of other little puppety tarantulas. I loved them. They were such a cool little like uh, little swarm. I liked it, and like they fucking ate the shit out of him. Yeah, they ate a guy's eyeball. They ate think, his nose. When he when he fell, I thought he smashed his head and was dead. Yeah. And then this when the spiders came, I had no idea what was happening. Do you think he was They were coming to eat the blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he was paralyzed at that point? Probably. That's what I'm thinking cuz he opens his eyes and shit. Yeah. He even moves his mouth a he little bit. He didn't close his mouth though. And no. the spiders were like all about They're his like, "Oh tongue. yeah, I'll eat this tongue. No big deal. Eat a bit of the lip, the tongue, that little piece of skin that connects your nose together." The filaminum. Oh yeah. Oh, and they grabbed his fucking eyeball and just dragged it out of his head. That looked so good. You didn't like it. I didn't like it. Well, I mean, you you liked I it. I liked the spiders, but it was very gooey. It makes me sad. I was really into that spider scene. And also, like, it wasn't just blood. Like, blood I'm fine with. I can do I can do with bl- buckets of blood. Yeah. But it's, like, the pussy stuff that they do when there's, like, white stuff that comes out. Like, yeah. anything that's, like, opaque, I'm not cool with. And, like, they have the tendency, yeah, to, like, have, like, white stuff and pink stuff. Well, I think it's because whatever they're melting, like, it's the acid reacting to it, right? Yeah. I'm just fine with, like, good old red. It sounds like it's effective. Sure. It got to you. Got under your skin. You've been watching horror movies your whole life. Everything gets under my skin, though. Yeah. You're a big old wimp. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah, it was it was around this time though that I that that's kind of where I realized I was like, wow, like one these because uh, I mean like our knowledge of Italian horror is not like as vast as a lot of other people's. It's not vast at all. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, like really prolonged gore sequences, which I guess I guess I always just assumed was because they were relishing in it, which is why guys like Eli Roth were always so nuts about it when they were growing up. But yeah, it it led me into this idea of like nightmare imagery. Yeah, well, because there's no sense of rushing, I guess, which you which you get a lot yeah. in um, in American cinema that we're always trying to get to a point. Whereas like there's a very like dreamlike wading through water element. Yeah, in like scenes and sequences even in just how some of those scenes and sequences are cobbled together like they don't always quite make sense like why is it that when the doctor and emily meet up again and run off from the basement like oh weird ghoulies in the basement gotta get out of here and they make their way to the hospital the little girl is there again yeah like stuff like that or like just doing quick cuts to reactions where like this none of this lines up in the template of how movies are supposed to go but it's like emotionally it all resonates like it all works Mm -hmm. and it works in like dream logic which is always so weird because it's like whose nightmare is this is it mine is it the the movie itself is having a nightmare that's a really great question yeah and like especially for how the movie ends it's wild but that zombie sequence in the hospital also very strange so doesn't really seem like it belongs in this movie almost no. right it was almost yeah like we need 
Some ghouls. More yeah. ghouls. Yeah, like, you know, it'd be great. All of these corpses rising up. And you know what? It was great. Oh, boy, was it good. Doctor running around, shooting I mean, zombies okay, so for I, no fucking reason. I did love it. It was a, it was really redundant. Oh, yeah. But I loved it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's so great. I love, he has already established that shooting these things does nothing. It never stops. Always shoots them. Even shooting him in the face doesn't do anything. Uh, and you do not remember this, but at one point he runs out of bullets, and in the next I, scene we he's do got bullets he, again. we do not address the lack of bullets. <laughs> I, I, and then he continues to fire the gun like forty more times, but eventually and then a out. window, <laughs> and then kills the only other living person in the hospital. Yeah, when that little girl. Oh, the doctor, you mean? Yeah, with oh, a glass yeah. from the window he shot out, and then he doesn't leave what's, through the window. What's up with that though? Because he shoots the window, and it's like all of a sudden it's a vacuum of space where the wind the glass just like flies at this doctor at 100 miles an hour and impales because him. the basement hasn't loaded the outside of the building you mean to tell me that we were buffering the evil from beyond yes okay the universe stopped at the window it's satanist solipsism solipsism is when you think you're the only person that really exists though. yeah but they only exist in the hospital because they're believing they're in the hospital and they like I think therefore I am so I exist in the hospital well yeah and the grass doesn't exist outside the hospital because they're not they don't think they're there right now okay mm-hmm. hospitals full of great shots though like really <laughs> like I mean, just be like too much too much good stuff is in that hospital for me to pass by like that fucking corpse poking his finger up out of oh, the autopsy yeah, that, bag and like slowly cutting it down that was really good and right? when he blinked yeah. under the oh <laughs> oh boy not to mention the fact that, that was a treat there's a quick turn where we realize the little girl is evil now and yeah the doctor just blows her fucking brains does out does not hesitate we both were like whoa, whoa! <laughs> Because every other time he's shot a zombie, it's done nothing. But as soon as he puts a bullet between this girl's little eyes, holy shit, does the back of her head just explode off. Yeah, because I don't think she was dead. <laughs> you think that's what it was? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like, oops, we killed a living. <laughs> yeah, ca- casualties of war with the beyond. Oh, boy. But yeah, the streets are empty. The hospital's weird. I mean, like, we have some voiceover, too, where it's like, oh, and the seven gates are... Open for business and the, the <laughs> dead will walk the earth again. And like, that's, oh, that's cool. It's real cool. I saw you writing down quotes of what they were saying. I did. So, uh, <laughs> let me just story time with John. Uh, no, this is the, this is part of me building my argument about like why these two movies pair really well together. Okay. So like originally we had not seen the beyond. But like, I've been obsessed with Event Horizon. Well, and the whole theme of this it. episode was like Gates of Hell. And we yeah. wanted to have two um, very different interpretations of Gates of Hell. Well, that and I I honestly was always under the impression that it was more of a haunted house story. Where it's like, oh, weird ghosty stuff happens in the house. And then the like, third act of the movie, we go into hell. And it's this weird ethereal hellscape. Mm. And it's like surreal and, and lots of hell imagery. So I was like, oh, this this is perfect because that's kind of Event Horizon. It's not that at all. It's it, They are wildly different, but they are both very obsessed with some some different... Uh, they're both, eyeballs. Yeah, they're both <laughs> obsessed with eyeballs. <laughs> Thank you for making all of my fuck-ups in this second half of the episode impossible to edit out. 
<laughs> like I can stammer as much as I want as long as there's like a half a second of silence and I give myself an opportunity to to, to get back on track. Welcome to your own personal hell. Oh, is that what's <laughs> happening? Is that what's happening? So some of these aren't like full direct quotes, but I mean, in uh, in the beyond, it's like, and you will face the seas of darkness and therein that might be explored, right? The idea that like you're going to go to hell and you're going to experience everything that it has to offer. Like, that's that's very similar to Event Horizon, where he's like, she has such horrible things to show you. Which... You don't need eyes where you're going. Bam, right? Uh, th- so the blind girl says, like, us blind see things more clearly, right? And then in Event Horizon, like, you don't need eyes to see where we're going. That's about where it ends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, both of these movies really don't... It's like, hell is something that you... Like, you're... DNA like you just like know yeah and well and that's great in the ending of the beyond too because um they end up in this ethereal 3d version this real real to life version of the painting from the beginning of the film and the painting that's kind of haunted emily yeah um and they both characters the doctor and liza go blind because they've seen the beyond yeah i think it's one of those things where like you would think that seeing something is the scary part, right? And, like, to be honest, most of the characters that die in the movie see it coming. Like, even what's-his-face who gets eaten by the spiders? He's left paralyzed and has to witness these spiders eating him to death. Mm -hmm. But all the other characters who go and experience true hell are blind. It's, like, darkness that, like, even though you have no eyes to see, you can still, you see it in your mind. It's, like, so invasive and just horrifying. And like, you get locked into the imagery almost. Yeah. Yeah. Also, hell is dry. Like, when we go into that painting, hell is dry. Yeah. No water in sight. True. And it's that same sort of ethereal, like, fogscape where, like, it could go on forever that we, we had when we first met Emily on the highway. Mm-hmm. She's really not questioning why a blind girl is walking in the highway in the middle of nowhere. No. She's got her dog. Okay. So it's the dog's fault. (laughs) She was like, take me to the bagel shop. And the dog's like, got it. (laughs) I I know a shortcut. (laughs) We're going to walk down the wrong side of the highway. We didn't talk about, and it's probably my favorite sequence of the movie, even though I don't really know. It leaves me with a lot of questions is when I think her name is Ma. What's the maid's name? I I never caught her name. Martha or? Maybe. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. When she goes into room 36 to, like, clean it or whatever, and Joe inexplicably is in the tub in the bathroom, and he murders her by jamming her head on the the nail in the bathroom wall. Yeah, which is weird, because, like... The, I swear they murdered him in the basement. I, they did, right? They murdered him in the basement. Because they went down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene is shot so well. Yes. There are so many great vantage points through Joe's hand. We want to talk about eyes again. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, we have her POV of his hand over her face. And you can see him through the fingers. Like, it's so well done. Even when they jam her head on the nail and her eyeball pokes out. Like, Fuck yeah. Like, why is this so cinematic? How dare you? This yeah. is goopy. And it's just like, it's it's so long because, like, she can't go anywhere. She's paralyzed with fear and Joe is just slowly walking toward her. Poor Joe. He was such a nice guy. Yeah, can you imagine how upset he must be to know that he's being used for evil purposes? Yeah, like, how dare you use my body? Yeah. And are they even, though, because he had a funeral? 
His body's not at the hotel anymore. Everybody who dies in this hotel gets brought to the hospital and then back to the hotel or elsewhere, right? Like even Emily dies somewhere else. Maybe nobody actually leaves the hotel. Right? Yeah. Yeah, It's like Homer bound for ghosts. (laughs) I guess that's more of a journey movie. What? I don't know. (laughs) So you're saying the animals never made it home? What is happening? I don't know what I meant. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, so how many tarantulas out of four do you rate the Beyond? Ooh, the Beyond. I'm really not sure. I am not sure either. I had a really good time. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what this movie does. I'm gonna shoot from the hip. I'm just gonna go straight. I'm gonna follow my heart on this one. 3.5 out of 4. Wow. I fucking loved it. I thought it was, and you know what's, what makes me sad too is that a lot of people say like this is one of Fulci's best. So I'm worried that we've started so high and now it's like. Okay, we get to see Zombie, I guess. And then from there, it's just like other lesser Fulci films. I, ooh, it's so hard because, I mean, some of the stuff was a little cheesy, like the zombie shooting and stuff. It's but part, it's part of like that it's subgenre, so, right? like gorgeous. And the movie looks so fucking good. The Like the characters are so well lit and there's so many good, cool spooky unexplicable things happening yeah but it's hell i don't really understand a lot of it three out of four yeah that's cool yeah all right okay i I get it i would i would have been surprised if you gave it higher i think i was gonna go with a two when we started but the more we started talking about it i was like yeah this is amazing and this is amazing the movie does so much right yeah and it's like it's it's got its own vibe is the thing and it so just goes for it like it doesn't really matter that we're not fully along for the ride because like how could you ever understand that the goings on of hell To understand it is to go blind. You're right? You gotta, if you really want to watch this movie, get that full 4D experience, you gotta pluck your own fucking eyeballs. <laughs> it's like 3D glasses, but there's just nothing cut out. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Oh, that's great. But let us know what you thought of The Beyond. Yeah, this is just our opinion. Obviously, and of Event Horizon. Event Horizon was the winner of the day. We both loved it a lot. What? Huh? I think the Beyond had a higher overall rating. We gave it more tarantulas. I'm, uh, you know, I am kind of oddly proud of this double feature. I am too. Yeah. Like the best blind double feature we've done. Oh. oh. You know, the other another movie that would pair really well with the Beyond actually is uh, the 1999 Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Another movie that would pair really well with Event Horizon would be the remake of Thirteen Ghosts. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Did we just expand this out into like a four-part series? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, we did. A Nightmare on Film Street box set. I do want to say the only reason I'm pairing The Mummy with The Beyond, though, is because like we have characters who are coming back from the dead, from, you know, the weird black ghosty place, mm-hmm. because people read from the book. Is it because of the book, though? Not sure. <laughs> That's how I that's how I interpreted it, and uh, you know what is art but subjective? And Kim, of course, only wants to pair Thirteen Ghosts with Event Horizon because of that spinny disc in the middle. Because of the spinny disc, and you know what? I'm for it. I think we just paired like we we paired two thirds of an all nighter at the drive-in. It's pretty great in that order too. Yeah. Thirteen Ghosts, Event Horizon, <laughs> The Beyond, Mummy. <laughs> um, if you want to talk about this week's episode, tweet at us at NOFS Podcast on Twitter. You can find us in the Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/horrorfiendsofnofs. And as always, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Nightmare on Film Street is listener supported by fiends like yourself. And as a reward for helping support the show, we have hours and hours of bonus content available to you. 
uh, including Drive Home from the Drive-In Reviews of movies that are playing right now. Yeah, and we actually just passed 200 patrons on our Patreon page. We recorded a Q&A episode, so uh, the patrons asked us a bunch of fun questions about our opinions of horror, uh, how we met, all kinds of random stuff. So if you want to hear a little more candid uh, content from us, you can hit us up on Patreon. But that's it from us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great. But having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.